Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next installment of the Dogs Podcast. We are in Las Vegas, Nevada, on the Strip, um, and this is the second time that we, Cole and I, have been here together. Uh, last year was our first time, and we really enjoy coming here. We don't gamble or anything like that, or but drink or <laughs> yeah, but go to shows. But when we do come. It's just really enjoyable to walk around. Uh, I don't have a dog at the moment, as you all know, but Cole has Stitch. And so just walking him around the casinos and all of the chaos and the like Bellagio fountain, which it, with its like huge kind of cannon fire sounds and lights and, and lights, cars it's just and billboards, like lovely. light up billboards and. It's lovely in the sense of um, <laughs> the chaos and having it be so concentrated in yeah. one area. And, and like kids walking past him, touching him, or drunk people like wanting to pet him. Like It's just so yeah. stimulating. Yeah. And like the cigarette smoke, it's just like this smorgasbord of <laughs> chaos um, that is really enjoyable just to, again, kind of expose him to and kind of proof him in um and he hasn't had any issues with it but we'll definitely be coming back here in the future when i get another dog mm -hmm. whatever so even just the next time we're passing through the area on the road if we have the option yeah i feel like now because we only stay for a night but that's yeah i mean i think i walked with him in the casinos yesterday and we got here at like noon Mm -hmm. Or one, I think I walked with him for like five hours, mm -hmm. just like being in that environment. Yeah, being outside, going through the casinos, going outside, going back in the casinos. Yeah. And yeah, it's fun. It is fun. It's fun. It's very different. Yeah. So, so in this podcast, I wanted to talk about <clears throat> kind of a buzzword that... I've heard from time to time, it's a great buzzword, um, and that is relationship, relationships. Which I think every single, well, not every, you know, I think many, many trainers and dog handlers and professionals talk about this. Right, which is, it's a great thing. Yeah. You know, um, again, I'll maybe see a randomly a video on social media or somebody will send something to me and it's uh, usually a, a very well-known dog trainer and they're talking about relationships whether they're on doesn't matter which side of the the equation they're on so mm -hmm. whether it's positive only or whether it's more obedience or whatnot they will always kind of wrap it around to this relationship concept, mm -hmm. which is delightful. Totally. Because that is the foundation of everything. So when they, when they, it, it's almost like there's a lot of points that overlap in positive reinforcement and, and other kinds of dog training. Um, and this is one of them, mm -hmm. and it's a it's such a beautiful one. But I guess upon further delving into it, you really 
when you get when you get behind the buzzword, you're like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? What does a relationship mean? And that's going to differ from person to person to person to person. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to a relationship for us, we want to be so in tune with the dog, have their cup be so full in all of the areas, have them be so harmonious with us and life that almost like almost that we can affect change in their consciousness for the better Mm -hmm. through lots of feeling and awareness and looking at how they're functioning on that deep level again rather than just having them execute something having them perform this task or this trick or this obedience whatever you know do you think that that can also be the same with like the difference between maybe a, a consciousness level change versus a behavioral change yes yeah 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 i mean we like do do you have like, when i'm working with a dog do i have their physical body with me mm-hmm. do i have their mind with me mm-hmm. and do i have their consciousness with me Mm -hmm. you could kind of think of it like that and a lot of people will get the first two but Mm -hmm. not that last one and that to me is i think that one thing that is different from what we've seen over the years and why we kind of work with dogs the way that we do is because of this fact not to say that those other things are incorrect or whatnot. Right. It's just a different way of going about it, which is like there's different ways of going about relationships, period. Right. Between like human to human, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. So you can get, uh, you can be in a relationship that is seemingly like f- from the outside, very healthy. Mm-hmm. But then underneath the hood, you realize that 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 person, one of the people in that equation, or let's say the dog, is moving through life with their handler or their boyfriend, whatever, girlfriend, and there's like emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. There's more maybe physical, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe some passive aggressiveness. Or neglect. Or neglect. But you see them executing it. Right. You see them moving through life and they appear to be very obedient. They appear to dot, dot, dot. Be very happy in their relationship. Be very happy in their relationship. But meanwhile, there are other things. And 
This isn't to say that we walk around and are thinking these things or necessarily even feeling these things. These are just observations that we've made over the years and points of kind of self-reflection that we've made over the years of observing different relationships and then just watching. And then watching some more and seeing how it unfolds, seeing maybe where there's a breakdown, mm-hmm. where there was uh, a misstep, right? And it's not to point at the people and kind of poke at them. No, because we do it to ourselves too. <laughs> it, it's more, it's been a process of quote unquote perfecting our relationships. Right. And using that as using those things that we have observed as stepping stones to better ourselves so that we can have better relationships. Right. I think it's, yeah, it's like, um, I think this consciousness level is, it's maybe more subtle and more challenging to pin down as exactly what it is. But it's almost like when you're in a relationship with whatever other being is on the other side and you may be moving through it in a pretty peaceful way, but then there are moments where there's like deep confusion or pain that comes up, at least in my experience. And then it causes me to reflect like, why is why is it coming out the back door? Like, why is this, um, this bigger feeling, this more, this deeper feeling that I might not even be able to put into words? Where is this coming from? And I feel like it's coming from that place. Right. Well, in in my observation, it's if you don't affect change on that deepest level. Mm-hmm you're going to have to continue to deal with it. And you may have an obedient dog, but they're going to be at times that there's, it's just not going to be as complete. They're still going to be barking. They're still going to be whining. And those two things alone are a dog expressing themselves. Right. At some level of lack of harmony, right? So that those two things alone are kind of signaling that something needs attention. Like they're literally calling out to you. They're they're literally calling out to you for guidance and attention. So yeah. And so if you work with a dog and you bring them to you affect change on that more deep level that consciousness level not necessarily the mind per se or the body then you render them more complete you know Mm -hmm. and this is it's yeah it can be very challenging and and time consuming but for us we wouldn't have it any other way because i want to live life so fluidly that there isn't a 
calling out from from my dog or the dogs in our care for anything because I've done everything to render them harmonious and everything to render them content. Which is like a daily practice. That's a daily practice that we do. Yes. it's Yeah, it's not like quieting them. They're just like, I feel so good all the time. Right. Day in and day out. Right. And, and so then it comes down to not only the relationship that you have with your dog or that these trainers are talking about, but then for us, it's the relationship that you have with life. Mm-hmm. And things and happenings in life, because if you're if if I was somebody who's very stirred by this or this or what somebody said or what somebody did, blah blah blah, then I'm being stirred, and I might not be expressing it through dot dot dot, but there is a stirring inside, which means now when I'm interacting with my dog, there is effect in that relationship there is a, there is something affecting that relationship right it's like having those behaviors and ways that you react to life but then thinking that you can turn it off when you start engaging with a dog or a person right that that can be very challenging yeah. and so it's almost it's almost like the relationship begins it begins with us and how stable we are how we are able to maintain our enjoyment in life, our quote-unquote happiness in life through the ups and downs. That is more of what I'm talking about in terms of consciousness. Because if you're able to maintain your consciousness in your energetic state, your whatever state, in enjoyment through the despairs that happen in life through all of these different things, then you'll be able to be there for the relationship that you have with this dog or whatever, or other relationships in a more 100% kind of way. And so that is a very big practice. It's almost like, I don't want to say like a more honest way, but there's no switching personalities almost. It's not like you have to work. It's not like you feel a certain way when your coworker says something not so nice to you and then you turn and you're working with your dog in that moment and you have to switch how you're interacting with each thing. It's just how you interact in general. Yeah, it's how you move through life. Yeah, so there's no like, oh, now I'm being present and conscious and now I'm being my other Mm -hmm. behaviors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess that in my experience, there definitely has been times like when Juno passed, that was brutal. Yeah. That was so brutal. Um, But... It didn't affect me on a fundamental level because I knew 
Like, it's just life. And it was excruciating, excruciatingly challenging. And I mean, you showed me a reel that you made, which we'll probably be posting soonish. And like, I just started bawling. Mm-hmm. It was so tough. Um, it is so tough, but it's not. It's it's almost like the the physical body and the mind are expressing mm-hmm. that difficulty but there's a layer that's beyond that that is stable i don't think we've talked about enjoyment in a in a conscious way here Mm -hmm. i think maybe that might help people because the way that we perceive enjoyment is different than maybe how other people perceive enjoyment yeah, and you're I mean, getting to it right now. Yeah, to me, enjoyment is non-fleeting. It's this thing that permeates life. It's the undertone of everything. And that that's what it is to us. Mm-hmm. It's unwavering and full of trust and full of vitality and full of contentment. Would you say it's on the more consciousness level? Yeah, absolutely. Like that's I, where we put that word. Yeah, it's it's not something that, it's not on, an, on a mental level. It's not on that level. I think like- It's not like something you can put your attention on and then it is sustained, mm-hmm. you know? Because- the mind is so fleeting, right? Mm-hmm. It it's so it goes all over the place. It's at the will of the senses, more or less. Mm-hmm. But you can get beyond that, and you can have a, a state of existence, and and doesn't matter what being you are, you know. <laughs> you can help your dog to a state where it's just there's just completeness. There's just that enjoyment that permeates their life and permeates their physiology. And that's the state where we like to get them to. And that's the state that we, myself, that's what has felt the best to me. And I guess it's no surprise. It's to no surprise that that's kind of where I like to get the other beings in my life that I work with too, especially my personal animals. I think that a word or a phrase that other people might be accustomed to hearing, which to me is similar to this feeling of enjoyment, is like an inner peace. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no matter what is going on, there's this level of peace that lives underneath all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for myself, I don't like we're not sitting here being like I am perfection. Our relationship is perfection. Like we are this superior, you know, like we right. just live in enjoyment all the time. Like it's a practice. It is a practice. It's a practice. And there's there are feelings that come up and there are thoughts that come up and there are physical sensations that come up that challenge that. Mm-hmm that kind of can be a place of reflection 
as to how established the enjoyment is. Right. Because uh, I think that that's something that, for me, I don't know, I can't speak for you, um, is I feel something that will grow over time. Yeah, I think that And that's, get deeper and more pervasive and more... Um, I think that's a large bigger. part of life is yeah. just the expansion of that. So I think it's it's a good reflection point, though, for me, is when things come up in life, how they make me feel and how disconnected I might feel from that place of enjoyment in myself. Like how stirred you get by things. Yeah. Yeah. How like far away that enjoyment becomes mm -hmm. in my, in myself, how out of touch I can get from it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like a, a reflecting point for me is how I'm kind of how I'm doing. And I think we do the same thing with dogs too, yep. is enter something into the equation, how lost, how distant do you become from that enjoyment? Right. How, how tangible is it mm -hmm. to you or to them? Or how quickly does it just disappear? Right. And they get consumed by fear or whatever is happening. Right. Is there acceptance right slash enjoyment or is there fear present right so and a, a good uh, something that we do with dogs with this is also in that while they're developing is maybe that fear comes up maybe that feeling comes up but then how quickly do they find that enjoyment again how quickly right. do they move through that and come back to the self or come right. back to that right. that deeper place of just trust. Right. Yeah, so relationships, they're just such a, it's such a big topic. And so again, coming back to it being kind of a buzzword, now when I hear dog trainers talk about the relationship, I'm like, well, what relationship are you talking about? Are you talking about the relationship that your dog has just in a fundamental level or is it the relationship it, what is what is your definition of relationship because somebody's definition of relationship should could mean that they just have a, a wife that obeys what they ask them to do and that's what they want and that is a healthy relationship yeah. to them and then on the flip side you could have someone who has an open relationship Right, and that's their foundation of their relationship. So, the, the, what is the context? What is the? What are the ingredients of the relationship that that dog trainers are talking about? You know, like what are they looking for? Yeah, is it just looking for an obedient dog mm -hmm. that is fine with whining and barking and doing this? Or who knows what, you know? Right. Um, but for me, it's that, because I heard that term be brought up. And again, I think it's beautiful because yeah. I'm, I'm glad that people aren't just focusing on more of the quote-unquote old school way of just hardcore obedience and they don't even mention the word relationship. Right. So I think that's a positive thing moving in the right direction. But then I'm just like, what 
is the relationship that they're talking about. Right. And then also, how are they getting there? How are they building that particular relationship that they are talking about? Mm-hmm. That's a very large factor, you know? Um, and again, as you know, Cole and I are not in either camp. We're neither positive and we're also not negative. We'll just We'll just call them that, maybe. <laughs> um, we're in neither of those camps, and we're not really necessarily in the middle one either. Which yeah, we're is, not a combination. Uh, the kind of combination. So we're definitely a little bit outside of the box when it comes to this. Um, but if you're familiar with those techniques, then you you know what they consist of. And you know... Maybe if you are working with a trainer, if you watched a trainer, then you're aware of on a an observation level where they get their relationship to and mm-hmm. what they define as a relationship. Mm-hmm. And the tools necessary to maintain that relationship and so on and so forth. So you can kind of look at it less from this fluffy word relationship, but maybe look at it a little bit deeper and be like, okay, where, what is the expression of the dog in life? And what is, how does that line up with the relationship that you want to build Mm -hmm. as a human? You know, what is your relationship to um, life itself to a degree? Mm-hmm. Like, do you distract your things yourself with things in life um, when it gets hard or, or challenging or, or whatnot? Or are you more hard on yourself mm. when when things come up? Or maybe... If something comes up, you're easy with yourself, but you still, and you, you're able to sit in it and let it flow through you and feel those things, but then carry on with life. Without letting them consume you. Exactly. Because you can sit in that and then let it consume you. Right. That's that's not what I'm talking about. Totally. Or, you, or you're maybe a person who has that experience. Right. There are like so many, so many possibilities. Yeah. So it's... I think that a lot of how we as human beings, and this might be an obvious point, but we'll talk about it anyway, but how we as human beings move through life and exist in life, that is probably going to determine what methodology of dog handling we're drawn to. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of simple in that sense. Well, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking that how how we engage with, how we build the relationship, what we're using to build it, it does affect that consciousness level. And I hadn't put that together, but 
the way that you're like, you could think that, oh, I'm just dealing with the physical body and the mind. And that's where you're at with what you're doing. But even in that plane, you're affecting that consciousness level because you might get the body and the mind in check with you. But then that work, getting those things in line has affected that deeper level of the relationship or of the being that you're interacting with. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to work with dogs the way that we do and not have it touch the, that more deep level. Well, I think that the way that we work with dogs, it does work in that way. But I think that also I'm having this thought that maybe working in any way is going to affect that consciousness level in a dog or in a person. Like if you're a kid and you're misbehaving and you have behaviors come up and then all of a sudden you're not doing those anymore because of your the guidance of your family, but maybe on a consciousness level, you now have fear because you're not doing the behaviors, but it's out of fear of mm -hmm. what you've been taught, of the repercussions of your actions. And that will affect you on that consciousness level. If you're... Um, I guess another way of putting it would be this, is that if something were to come up in life and let's say the consciousness level that deep level is mm -hmm. it's it's so it radiates peace and harmony right right and so anything short of that is going to leave that fear in your physiology right is going to leave that pain or that sadness in your physiology so regardless of of the external right methodologies and our approaches to a dog and that relationship if it falls short of that then there could it, 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 like it falling short is the effect not necessarily the effect the input does that make sense yeah i think so so if you you work with e-callers and it, like every once in a while you have to scroll up to like an 80 or a 90 or 50 or whatever that just depends on the sensitivity of the dog because a 30 could be extremely sensitive or painful right. for a dog or startling for a dog and right. so then you get a yelp out of them or whatever um but so re regardless of that mm -hmm. it's not bringing the animal to that most harmonious state. Right. Right. It's you're getting the mind, you're getting the body, but you're not affecting getting them to that deeper level. But I think that you are affecting it. It's almost like, what are you? You're, you're, you're affecting it because you're not getting there. Are That's you're affecting the consciousness because if you okay. always get, if you, if like, if 80, Let's mm -hmm. say if a hundred is that most complete consciousness state, right? A hundred, okay. A hundred. If you go always get your dog to eighty, 
then that's going to be their existence, which means there's 20% of a lack of harmony that they're not experiencing. So just by not getting there the whole way is affecting that chain that that consciousness and the dog's behavior because you're you're just falling short every time and and that's why when you work with when you work with any dog and, and, that, and that can be in the gentle method as well the you can fall short there as well right because if you're just going through the motions your dog has this uh, fear come up and you take them into step one or maybe you've got access to more of the exercises because you've practiced them and you don't feel them get to a better state or the best state mm-hmm. and then you stop, well, you know what you're doing. It's, right. You're falling short. Like you can mess anything up. You, yes, exactly. <laughs> Even the gentle method. Exactly. Mess it up. Exactly. So, yeah. But you're always affecting change in consciousness. It just, you're either doing it in a positive sense to a degree, or you're just doing it to a mediocre point or degree, or less than that. So could you say that, like another way of looking at this is that it's what you're filling that consciousness level with. Like we like to fill the consciousness level with enjoyment. Mm -hmm. But you could also fill the consciousness level with anxiety. Yes. Or with fear. Fear or suffering or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah, or just hyper energetic energy, you know. Like a lot of food, like positive reinforcement, like they've just got their dogs so engaged and and heightened that that's what they fill the relationship with. Right. Um, And of course, like there's times where the dog's mellow and they're relaxing and so on and so forth. Yeah. But generally speaking, when they do things, it's in this very heightened state of existence Mm -hmm. and interaction um which again is fine it's just preference i suppose yeah ultimately and it just comes back to us as handlers what feels good to us is probably what we're going to be attracted to which means that's what we're going to subject our dogs to right so i wanted to share an experience that i had out with pack um I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, we had a gal working with us, really, really wonderful woman. And she was working with one of our pack members. At the time, we were doing individual packs. So, you know, I would walk 15, John would walk 15, someone else would walk 15 or 10 or whatever. Um, Maybe fewer, depending on the behaviors, how long the person's been with us. And she was having this struggle with one of our pack members who's very gentle and just slow. Like, not as athletic, not as willing to just move quickly. And her and I were hiking together one day, and she was 
engaging with this dog and having trouble motivating them to move with her. And he wasn't doing anything bad. He was just moving slow. And she was like, can you help me Like with this situation? Like, what am I doing wrong? What can I change? And I was watching her and thinking to myself, you're doing all the things correctly. Your timing is good. Your ask is good. It's all good. And I went and did the same thing just to test it out. Um, Executed the same ask in the same way. And he picked up his pace quickly. And what I learned in that moment or what was reinforced in me in that moment that I ended up talking to her about, we had a great conversation, was the relationship that she has with that dog and the relationship I had with that dog and where your ask is coming from Mm -hmm. because you can do the same thing as someone else but the feeling behind it is different Mm -hmm. maybe it's coming from there's no feeling behind it and you're just executing like we say in the gentle method all the time you can't just go through the motions you're not going to get a lot of work done yeah if you just got to be the feeling behind it and the feeling behind it is becomes the relationship Mm-hmm. that you're having with that dog. Well, the feeling or the lack of feeling that you right. have becomes the re- becomes a relationship. And in that moment, it was so clear to me because I was like, we are literally doing the same exact thing for this dog and having completely different results because of how we feel right. about it. And I think in that moment, she had gotten to a place where she was a little frustrated mm-hmm. with him not keeping up. And I was coming from a place of, appreciation i guess Mm -hmm. um and she was still new and learning and i had spent a lot more time getting to know this dog right and so i was we were just coming from different places but it's that same thing it's the relationship right behind it yeah um yeah and then you know to that point in, in getting a dog to a place to where like we want to get our dogs, our personal dogs, our pack members to a place to where when somebody comes into the pack, let's say, or they go to handle stitch or whatever, <clears throat> that it's pretty much the same. Right. So that there is no need for a relationship. Right. You get your dog to such a degree in life in their awareness, in their consciousness, in their ability to feel and accept life, that they just are able to be handled by whoever, right? whenever. And that to us is definitely where we wanted to get all of our dogs to. And again, it's like, what is the feeling? What's the expression of the dog when they're doing that? Which also means a great deal to us. What do you mean by that? What's their expression? Meaning, again, are they nice and placid and neutral or are they overly stimulated and just kind of jacked up because that's their state of mind when they are being worked or handled? Mm-hmm. And then that translates over to whoever that stranger is handling them. Right. You know, I'm, we're also aware of the the expression of the animal. Yeah. That's a big 
a big point to us. And I guess on this note, like dogs are arguably pack animals. And obviously science is not going to back that up. Right now. Um, Right now. This is true. (laughs) The study could come out tomorrow. and This is true. Blows it all out of the water. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that'll be the case. But anyways, <laughs> dogs are maybe are arguably pack animals. Um, you know, I've I've traveled the world and I've seen, lived in, in different areas long enough to see that dogs actually do pack up, um, fend for food, they have territory and so on, so on and so forth. And we don't want... Um, to think of our relationship as a pack because we don't want those boundaries. Mm. And if we, if we were forced to think of our dogs as a pack or our relationship with our dog as a pack, then our pack would be the universe, right. not our home, not this territory, not me and you, me and you as yeah. we move through life. Yeah. We're the pack and then there's the world. Yeah. yeah. We want the world to be our pack. Yeah. Or maybe just extend that out to the universe. But that's also how we feel about life. Correct. Which yes. is coming back to your point that you were making earlier. Yeah. Is like I wanna we want to be able to interact with whoever on whoever this planet. Whoever or whatever. Yeah. And have it be coming from more of a connected place instead Accepting of a separate place. place. Correct. Yeah. 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 So just less a lot less division. A lot more harmony and unity. Um, so, but yeah, we the pack or the universe is our, sorry, the world and the universe is our pack, not just me and my dog or right. us or, and the Oregon Tales pack. Yeah, like because, a smaller orbit. Yeah, because when people come into the pack, it wasn't always the case, but like, we're like, go ahead and like sit down on the ground and pet all of them and let them all, <laughs> right. let them all come up and snuggle you. And, and it, we might not do that with the new dogs that we're bringing along, yeah. but that's where we want to get them. The dogs that have bite history or dogs that whatever, um, that's where we want to get them to. Where someone mm. enters the pack and they're just a part of it. Yeah, and and we used to have the whole stance of don't touch our dogs, don't look at our dogs, don't try to ask to touch them, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Now we're like, you can touch all of the dogs except for that one because that right. one's not quite there yet. Because that one's new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, again, it's more open. Yeah. It's more accepting in life rather yeah. than shutting down. Or having these boundaries Yeah. that people or other beings need to comply to yes yeah and i get i get it because if i'm working with a dog that's not there yet i'm like yeah no not yet yeah these are the boundaries but it's not yet right that's the stance it's not no right you know i'm still advocating for the dog saying not yet but it's not just this kind of closed circuit right you know yeah i mean definitely like when when we have trouble dogs that we're bringing out i think we're very 
We're very clear. We're very practiced and like these are the boundaries I need to put in and I'm going to be aware of my environment so that I can uphold these for this dog and what they're needing right now. Yeah, because we want to get them to a place where they're <laughs> harmonious in life. And so if we didn't right. do that, we're not going to get them there. Right. So, but that's an interesting point that I've definitely thought about over the years is that, yes, we call it the Oregon Tales pack, but it's really the world pack. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah, I just we don't want it to be so tightly knit that it's just us that that they listen to and just us that they're friendly to. It's it's um it, we want it to transcend all of the boundaries in life and not just have our zone or our territory and then everything else is not in that. You right. Know? So I I think that our lifestyle really makes that like that is our lifestyle is pretty i don't know social we're all mm -hmm. over the place like yeah. we're not just at the ranch hanging out with the pack we're we're moving around we're away from the pack we're on other parts of the country and engaging with people and with dogs and mm -hmm. even even we were in oregon when we were living there and Stitch was socializing with the pack, 40 dogs, two to four times a week. I forget what we were running at that time. Mm -hmm. And then we had boarding dogs. There were dogs everywhere. And I remember talking to you and being like, I think I need to go to the dog park with Stitch more just to expose him to different dogs because right. he just gets to see these same 40 or 50 dogs right and then new ones coming in slowly but i was like i want to give him more more yeah. i want his world to be bigger than that and right. for him to meet and smell and experience more yeah and i feel like that's maybe specific to <laughs> he's dreaming right now he's dreaming pretty hard um I think that is potentially unique to you and I, or, you know, maybe not unique, but that's just what we enjoy Yeah, is having, um, just having a lot of experiences for him yeah. or for Juno. Yeah. Um, and like, we're here right now in a casino and when we run into people in the lobby, that want to engage with him, I'm. it brings me enjoyment. And it brings him enjoyment because he loves to be, yeah. in, he loves to engage with people. <laughs> he loves physical touch. He loves physical touch. Um, and so I see his cup being filled by that. Mm -hmm. And so why wouldn't I want to give him that? Right. But it's also, you know, it's a, there's, there are definitely people who, let's say, they want that tightly knit pack. Mm -hmm. And that's all they want. They just want it to be them and their dog, who's really hardcore and will bite people at a moment's notice on their command. And the world is kind of their enemy to a degree, mm -hmm. possible enemy, mm -hmm. which is fine. Um you know, or or maybe you don't have that necessarily heightened of a relationship, but you have a dog uh, who lives in your yard and in your house and it says, beware of dog and no one can come in. Right. And 
that's what you want. Whatever floats your boat. Again, we're the human in the in the scenario, and so we get to dictate what happens. Right. They don't have a choice unless they really mess up and then they go to heaven or they get rehomed. Right. But it's it's up to us and what we choose how we choose to live life is what we're going to subject our dogs to, more or less. And to each their own. Right. For us, if let's say a dog has let's say stitch didn't find comfort in being touched we would help him find comfort in being touched Mm -hmm. because there's no reason for that not to be the case right you know of course people don't like being massaged but why is that if they remove that why they're going to learn that actually having a massage is pretty darn amazing or like there are some people that are more physical when interacting. They might tap you on the shoulder or like touch mm-hmm. you when they're talking to you. Right. And that's also okay. Right. And I think you and I are in a place of being okay with that, whereas someone else might find that to be uncomfortable, which yeah. is, it's fine. Like it's all. It's just being, it's just expanding yourself enough or ourselves enough to where that we just are accepting of life, you know? Obviously to a point, because if it reaches a certain point, I'll step up and be like, uh, eh, no, I don't, I don't, uh, want that to happen. Right. You know? Yeah, totally. But Within it's going to be, because like, it's, I don't want you to cause physical harm to me. Yeah. I'm like, and eh, that's why I might draw the line, of course, or harm, physical harm to you or stitch or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'm not waiting around for that to happen or training stitch to be or my next dog on the ready for that threat you know it's kind of more just dealing with it when and if it comes yeah i think we're talking about just more of the normal activities that people do yeah regularly moving moving through life and walking down the street and seeing a bunch of homeless people like how does that affect you right you know or moving down the street and and a kid's running up to you. And kids are screaming and just, there's 10 kids just going ape something. <laughs> bananas. <laughs> bananas. Going bananas. <laughs> um, <laughs> causing a ruckus. And like, how does that stir you? You know, do you like just, ugh, kids or, ugh, homeless people? Or is it just kind of like, oh, that's, that's life. Right. So. And I guess on this other note, because I just mentioned it, you know, like getting a dog to that state to where they're essentially a weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, at one point I did think about doing that. But then I was like, there's enough anger and pain in the world. I don't want to create something that's going to contribute more of that mm. in life. And I also didn't want to build into a dog that on a moment's notice I could say a word and then they could go and inflict some pain and to a degree get enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to create a being that that was their existence. I don't have a problem with 
people choosing that for themselves. But for me, that was kind of how I broke it down. I'm like, there's enough pain and suffering in life. There's enough people on edge mm-hmm. waiting for the apocalypse to happen or waiting for whatever to happen, you know? And for me, that doesn't, it's not a very harmonious state to live in. It's not a very accepting state to live in. Um, and that's why I've chosen to not kind of go down that path. Mm-hmm. So, cause people have asked me that in the past, like, why haven't you gotten into bite work or why doesn't Juno, why wasn't Juno trained to just go and attack somebody at a moment's notice? And Juno would like, have probably been really good at it. Juno would have been stellar at it. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, in that once, I think I told the story on here, one of the times that we were kind of quote unquote attacked, like he did something about it and I didn't have to tell him to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just instinctual. So, well, I think that that's, that is something that comes up for people that we do work with where they do want the dog that protects their home and has them feel safe. And I mean, that's right. a little bit tricky because some of the times it's, I want my dog to bark at the door, but I don't want my dog to bark at people entering the house. Yeah. And so that's a very subtle thing that they're trying to teach the dog. And you can do it, but yeah. just, I don't want any part of that because <laughs> that's, that's like extremely challenging. It is, it is more challenging because you're like, bark now, don't bark now, protect yeah. me now, don't protect me now. But to that point that you are making, I know that if I got in a situation that Stitch would step up and I don't need to teach him that, Mm -hmm. but I think that people think they might need to teach them that. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I'm not quite sure. And I'm not talking about bite work. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about just someone who wants their dog to bark at a stranger approaching their house, mm-hmm. just being vocal. Right. Um, yeah. But I do think that, yeah, I do think that without teaching it, like you're saying, they will. They can have a level of awareness to yeah. just act based on the energy. Right. Change or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of that might depend on the relationship and how a dog is going to respond in that situation. Mm-hmm. Some, they don't need a relationship. They're just going to come to maybe even a stranger's rescue, you could say. Mm-hmm. Or maybe another dog's or another animal's rescue. But then others, it might take more of a relationship being Mm -hmm. built for them to want to act in that way in those particular situations Mm -hmm. and warn you or defend you Mm -hmm. or so on and so forth. And not overdo it. (laughs) And not overdo it necessarily, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that's a big factor in it too, Mm -hmm. or can be a big factor in it rather. Yeah. and I guess on that point, 
I think with anything, like whether you're doing bite work or whether you're doing frisbee tricks with your dog through food or whatever, the amount of time that you're spending, the awareness that you have, and the level with which you're filling your dog's cup up is a very important point. Because the relationship, you know, those things take time. Those things take time to build. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time, a lot of hard work, quote unquote, uh, to build in all of that bite work, build in all of that obedience, build in all of the, I guess, coordination for your dog to catch the frisbee or run up the wall or who knows what. Do the agility course. Do the agility course. It takes a lot of time and energy to accomplish those things. And in that, you're you're building a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you're building that connection. Again, to what degree? That's up for people to kind of observe and quote unquote rate <laughs> if they ch- <laughs> if they so desire. But for us, when it comes to building a relationship, we really think about it from the standpoint of filling the dog's cup up to such a degree that it renders them just complete. Mm -hmm. There's no need for whining. There's no need for barking. There's no need for anxiety. There's no need for fear. It's just complete. Mm -hmm. And that's going to vary from dog to dog. Like I do not have a Malinois because I know how challenging they are. Mm -hmm. Like to fill that dog's cup up, and I'm just speaking in a more broad sense, right? That would be extremely time consuming. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the time for that. I don't, actually, you do have the time. I do have the time (laughs) for that. I do have the skills for that, but I choose to not go down that path. Right because of how much it would take. Um, and then, like, um, yeah, it's just that's not my cup of tea, right? Mm-hmm. That's a little bit more on the extreme sense, extreme side of what kind of dog you can get. Uh, but it really, with any breed there's just going to be levels of that cup being filled how much it's going to take what it's going to take and that uh, for us is like i was just saying like that is the like we're not going to bring a dog into our care and not fill their cup up to that degree, that mm-hmm. fullest degree that there is no whining, there's no barking, there's no need for a crate. If if we use crates, we don't, but um, 
getting them to a place to where we can leave them, like drive up to a gas station and have them be fine with that. Leave them in a hotel room and have them be fine with that. They're not going to tear anything apart. They're not going to bark. It's just they're they're able to move through life fluidly and effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And for us, that comes with filling their cup up to such a degree that wherever you put them, whatever you ask of them, they're they're cool with it. Giving to them. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And like I just mentioned with a, like a Malinois, for example, such a high drive dog that those kinds of dogs uh, just consume life to such a degree. <laughs> it's beautiful to see. Um but because they consume so much of life through their senses, they need so much output as well as input. Um, if you fall short of that, then you're going to have something that's really not fulfilled. The cup's not full. And so they're going to bark. They're going to whine. They're going to be maybe reactive. They're going to be aggressive. And the same thing goes with any dog. Yeah, I mean, this I'm could just be using, this, I'm just using it, them as an example. Yeah, this could be extreme. like a... It could be a chihuahua. Yeah. Um, if you don't fill their cup up, then they're going to have some anxiety. They're going to have some aggression. They're going to have some reactivity. It just, that's across the board. So it's really for us, the filling up, filling of the dog's cup, filling of the relationship, their relationship in life so much so that they they're good they're they're a good dog without they're a good dog and they bite people they're a good (laughs) dog and they but they want to eat this or so on and so forth um yeah well i think that a point that we continue to bring up with people that we work with and something that like we're reflecting on this fulfillment piece. I mean, I am right now with stitch and I know you are with stitch too, even though he's technically not yours every, every single day. Yeah. Every single day. How, how am I going to fill his cup today? What's our schedule looking like? Yeah. And What's that going to look like? What's his day going to look like? In, so that In comparison to ours. Yeah, yeah. so that he is full. And yeah. there are days, you know, we do long road days. There are days when I'm like, well, buddy, like you're only going to get an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening because we're driving 10 or 11 hours. Yeah. But those days are maybe four a year. Or maybe 45 minutes and 45 minutes. Right. <clears throat> but Yeah, we, we're... If that was consistently happening, we would pivot in our life. We would yes. change things in our life to accommodate filling his cup up more. And that's right. what we we do. And it's it's getting to know that specific dog mm-hmm. and where they're at in their development, what they enjoy, what they're needing physically due to their behaviors, their breed, their age, who they are. Um and then that 
it's it's dynamic. It's a dynamic process is yeah. something that I've learned having him in my life, mm-hmm. which is depending on where he's at in his age and in his behaviors and in just where he's where he's where he's at during that time that determines what I'm going to be giving to him. Right. Yeah. Like for example, he is where he's at now, so he takes a lot less. But if he was six, if it was like six years ago, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be able to do long road days and get in and then go to bed. We would right. have to change our schedule. Right. So if we drove 12 hours, we would need to work for two and a half hours, right. you know, do something for two and a half hours and then go to bed. So it's just. Yeah, so people who some people have dogs who they run them five six miles a day, maybe even more, right? Right, but that's not filling that dog's cup up, right? Completely, it's draining them, right, to such a degree to where they don't terrorize their house when they're at home, they're they're left at home, or maybe they're quiet when they're in their crate, but it's not rendering the dog complete necessarily it's just have rendering them tired right you know so it's there's so many fine points to it because you and this comes back to connection and Mm -hmm. what relationship you're asking of your dog Mm because you could have a dog that you that's what that's what you do right let's say it lives 13 years and you're a runner and you run it every day Mm mm-hmm and that's the relationship that you have, and that renders them easy to move through life. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think also- But if you remove that running, then what would happen? Right, or if you your life changed. Or if your life changed- You moved changed, somewhere different, right. or you had a kid, like how is, how is the dog going to adapt- Exactly. To those changes? And then how are you going to adapt to them? Right. It's a very big point. It's it's also like with Stitch, you mentioned, you know, the amount of exercise or engagement, fulfillment on a road day. It is different as they change because if we brought a puppy here, yeah, to where we are right now, they would be smoked in an hour. Mm-hmm. An hour for Stitch here is nothing. Is whatever. Yeah. Because he's so seasoned with life. Totally. And so that's another part of it is like you can have a dog that's newer to experience mm-hmm. and that what they need is different because of how much input they're taking in right. from the environment. And then have a dog that's maybe older that can maybe ride in the car for the day and not need as much. But consistently, I have to, and I know you did this with Juno, I have to be more conscious of having his day be, have, like, be more dynamic and interesting because Mm -hmm. life is normal to him. Like, there aren't a lot of things in life he hasn't experienced. (laughs) Totally. Like, maybe if he he was able to go into a zoo, that would be something different or, like, a safari. But, like, he's pretty... Right. Yeah, I mean... He knows what life is about. Yeah. And 
I mean, we grew up in, in he grew up in, in Portland, mm-hmm. but he had never been to a giant city like New York. Right. And so I was like, we took him there, walked him around the city, and that was great. Yeah. You know, and then well, I went to D.C., which is Washington, D.C. has totally different energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's arguably the capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Um and so I wanted to bring him there so he could feel that energy, you yeah. know. And, and Juno was there too for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's thinking about it in that sense most definitely is yeah. it's very dynamic and just very aware of the dog and, and how fulfilled they are. Maybe they just all they just get walked around the block and that's their existence. That's all they get for their whole life. You know, they get, they have like a five block radius. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a dog in that situation, they can maybe handle that because every once in a while, a new dog moves into the environment and pees on the bush that they get to walk by. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, they get to smell that. And that's one dog. And that's, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's what they get because that's what the humans can provide for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, it's just, as you can tell, like we're very expansive at this point in our life um, with how we manage dogs and how we bring them along and things that we want to expose them to and, and so on and so forth. And the same thing with Merlin's. Like yeah. I want to take him places and I give him the exposure in life. It's the same thing that I did with Juno, but just with a giant thousand pound animal, which is Quite a bit more challenging, but um, the same intention is there behind it. Right. It's not just to be in our own little zone and not kind of be it uh, a rotation in life. Um, but that's our desire, and that's our desire right now. And right. that could change in the future. And you could be somebody listening to this, and you, all you do is walk your dog around the block or a five block radius and that's all you can do and that's mm-hmm. great but if you're that person and your dog maybe has behaviors that aren't so awesome it might be that this is a factor mm-hmm. that their cup is not full enough they need more than that five block range you know they probably need some more things than that obviously they may you need to maybe have better skills um, or whatnot or understanding or awareness, of course, but maybe it's they need more exercise. Maybe they need more stimulation. Maybe they're not being socialized and that just is nagging at them, you know? So who knows what the case may be, but for us, there's no ceiling on what we're willing to adapt to Mm -hmm. in our lives to accommodate a dog um, will bend over backwards for them so that they feel better because that makes us feel better. Totally. So there's no boundary to that. Right. I think it's, I think it's the awareness of that too. So if you are, if you do have a, a dog that has, um, a smaller boundary of their existence maybe 
there there can be awareness of what we're giving, of what a person is giving, and then having our expectations of what the dog is giving to us be a little bit different. Absolutely. Like if we're if what we're giving is a certain percent and then we're asking the dog to give us a higher percent. Yeah. That's a challenging expectation for some dogs to give mm-hmm. and have put upon them by yeah. us. Yeah, I mean that's that's such a potent point. Um because a lot of dogs are not they're not given to to the degree that they needed need to be given to to feel more complete in life and then because of that they act out and then they're sent to a trainer who then trains them to not act out mm-hmm. but the lack of fulfillment hasn't gone anywhere mm-hmm. it's just overshadowed by the dog listening and behaving mm-hmm. they're just not doing that from a complete harmonious content state of their cup being full they're doing it because they were forced to do it or they were lured to do it do it taught to do it in that sense um yeah that's a big point yeah and something that you continue to bring up and i really enjoy this point is that the way that life is structured for dogs uh domesticated dogs is that they can't go do it on their own like you will say that we are the dog's outlet to the world We're we their are everything yeah we are their everything yep they can't go socialize without us. They can't feed themselves without us. They can't drink water without us. Like it's just we provide everything for them or we provide nothing for them or we provide a percentage of life to them. Right. But we are it. We <laughs> put them in the backyard and that's their existence. We tie them to a tree or stake them in the ground and that's their existence. We neglect them, we spoil them. It's it's all us. Yeah. It's all us. I have this like image in my head of the opposite and like uh, just a dog in their house. <laughs> like, oh, I think I want to go hang out with my friends. And they just walk out the front door and walk over to the park. Mm-hmm. Like they can't do that. No. I mean... I mean, they can because some, some dogs, dogs do jump the fence and just go there's do their some thing. dogs yeah like i'm talking to my stepdad bob and he was talking about his dog when he was a young kid growing up in the suburbs of philadelphia and the dog would sometimes sleep inside and then other times it would just be outside and yeah. it would wander the neighborhood and everyone loved it it would go and play with the kids and um get along with the other dogs and people would feed it scraps of food from their house through their window. And like the dog just wandered the neighborhood and it was loved by everyone. Right. All animals included in that. Um, And so it does happen. That that, was also a long time ago. (laughs) A long, long time ago. (laughs) It was like 50 years ago. (laughs) It's plus. Um, 
So things are definitely a lot different. Yeah. They, that dog would get caught and thrown in a shelter or something like that. I don't but, I don't see that that often anymore. No. You know. Usually when it's that situation, the dogs are pretty feral. Yeah. And that's not exactly a harmonious state of existence to be living in. Um so but yes, they they life revolves around us for them. Mm-hmm. Which is such a beautiful thing, but it also can be a pretty nasty thing if depending on the relationship and depending on how willing the human is to bend in life and be flexible in life and shift their life around to accommodate the being that they brought into their existence, the being that they brought into their life in the form of a dog. Yeah. Um, And it's different too, because... You know, I I don't have a child. To me, Stitch is the closest thing to a child. And so I will sometimes in my mind compare children and dogs. And if you have a kid, you are their world until you're not. Until you grow up, you slowly get more and more freedom until you go and experience life on your own. They don't do that. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They live their complete life with us. There's mm-hmm. no like, oh, them, now them you're five years old and you get to go off on your own and experience your own world. Like, it is their their life. Yeah. Their entire life. There's not a graduation. No. From being, from needing us. Yeah. Yeah, they don't go out and get their own job, or they don't get out, go out and get their own fam, build their own family, or whatever. It's just and then and then, let's say you are a person and you grow up, and maybe you don't receive everything you need as a kid. You can grow into an adult and give that to yourself. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, (laughs) or work on it, but but it's your choice. It becomes your you you get the power to create your own level of happiness mm-hmm. and whatever your path mm-hmm. yeah, they dogs, don't they don't get to do that yeah they're just stuck with whatever we give them yeah and it's like it it holds a lot of weight to me because it's because they're a being and like they they live and die in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, their, their evolution, their growth in life, their enjoyment in life is all to a degree based on what we are or what we are not capable of giving to them. Right. Yeah. It's very intense, can be very intense. Um, And like, I know that we're all human and we all have our own journey and we are all doing the best that we can with what we have in this moment. But I guess like my purpose, one of the feelings of purpose I have for Stitch is to have when he leaves the body to reflect on myself that I gave him everything I could. 
Right. And I had the same with Juno. Yeah. Yeah. And I have the same thing with Merlin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really a driving factor for me daily mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's just a daily practice is like, how are, how am I giving to you today? How am I being present with you today? Mm-hmm. And for some people it might be like, I have a really busy day today. I have a lot going on at work. I have a lot going on with my family or my kids or whatever. But there's always some time Mm -hmm. that we can give to them. Whether it's like 10 minutes where you're playing ball with them in the backyard because they love to play ball Mm -hmm. and you're present with them. Yeah, it's intentional. It's intentional. You're not on the phone talking with someone or... Or maybe you Whatever. are. Or maybe you sometimes are. Sometimes people just they don't have that. And maybe then, maybe and they you don't are. want that. You know. I guess. Yeah. So. I guess there is a possibility, even if someone is busy, to take little moments. They could carve out five minutes of intentional yeah. time, like five minutes at a minimum. Yeah. Just something. Something where they are giving on a more deep level to yeah. their dog would probably help them feel good. Help the person feel good. Help them feel good and help the dog feel good. Yeah, totally. So So it doesn't have to be this like, I'm listening to Jonathan and Cole and I have to devote my life to my dog and, you know, just whatever. It can be whatever the person needs, whatever they can give, but even a little bit is better. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's not every day. Maybe it's, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what that is? But those moments are, I I feel, (laughs) they're the magic. I think that's why we're here on this planet, is those moments. Mm. And to experience life with another being experience the the beauty in that the beauty in sharing consciousness in an intentional way Mm -hmm. and what that feels like and how that makes us feel so good and so even if a dog just moved through their entire life and they just had one of those moments at least they got one of them Mm -hmm. you know um or a person, right. you know, just one of those moments is enough, I think, to suffice, quote unquote. But if they don't have any of that, that's tough. Mm-hmm. That would be tough. Because then it's like, what are we here for? You know, what am I, what am I here for? <laughs> so then I guess like what we do is we try to create as much space as possible for those moments. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to share just a couple of things that we do to fill a dog's cup because we spend a lot of time thinking about it. And some dogs are different. They're all different. Like Juno loved to run. Run while you were running, run alongside a bicycle, run behind a side-by-side, whatever. He loved to run. Stitch, 
He just loved to do whatever. <laughs> yeah, he loved period. it totally. <laughs> totally, but like he, yeah, he enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, Stitch is kind of neutral about it, uh, but I still have him run. It's good for his body to like extend. But some of the things that like we will do in varying degrees for different dogs is running, playing with them, playing like ball with them, like throwing a rock or a stick or a ball into high grass and having them find it, mm -hmm. having them have to sniff it out, uh, going for walks in different places where there are different smells. So depending on the dog's development, if they don't need a lot of support, giving them some space to smell that different environment and what that smells and feels like, mm -hmm. engaging with other beings, people, kids, dogs, cats, cows, horses, like having different experiences. Going on boats. Going on boats. Going, going on planes. Going like. like I, had, I took Juno on a plane. <laughs> One of our clients, our pack members, is a pilot and he took Juno and I up um, at one point and that was on like a little little plane yeah a little two-seater yeah um, but yeah. it's it's like those there are moments that are like exposure where it's like oh here's a cow like let's meet the cow yeah and then there's also moments of you really love to play ball mm -hmm. and I want to give that to you right walking on different trails walking in the elements walking in the elements Walking in like freezing cold, super hot, rain, yeah. sleet, yeah, um, rainbows, whatever. Just experiencing life. Experiencing life. Period. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, as you said, singling out the things that they really enjoy. Like yeah. Stitch really enjoys ball. Yeah. He really enjoys physical touch and snuggling. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you do all right. of those things pretty much daily. Right. Uh, yeah, like if we're staying in a hotel room, I will play ball in the parking lot mm -hmm. when it's freezing cold when we or arrive. Or in the lobby. Or in the, or in the lobby. Yeah. Um, taking them on different trails, getting their body moving. Mm -hmm. Like we live along a river, but when we didn't, we would go to public land and have them play and swim and experience the water, experience the beach, experience yeah. the mountain. Like, yeah. These yeah, or, are the things that we'll put into our days mm -hmm. to give to them. Or when we were in Iowa, we'd drive an hour, hour and a half to go to different dog parks. Right. And we'd do that two or three times a week. Right. Um, so it's just, it's, it's just doing what you can to yeah. experience life. Yeah. Expand it. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. But again, if you can't, then you do the best that you can Yeah, with what you've got, and that's that. I mean, that's what we're doing too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we could look back on what we're doing now in two years and be like, wow, we're doing so much more, or it's so different, or right. whatever. Yeah, we're like going to Africa, like, <laughs> <laughs> traveling the world or something like that. Who knows? Or we're just like homebodies back at the ranch, and yeah. like just that's that's what we find to be be the most fulfilling again at that point yeah so yeah so we're gonna kind of wrap it up here but i did want to bring up one last little point 
and this isn't from me. I think this was from Ray Hunt, who was Buck Brannaman's mentor. And he would ask people at his clinics or his workshops what his reins were attached to. And people would be like, oh, the bit in the horse's mouth or the, the horse's nose or face or whatever, if it was in a, a hackamore. And he was like, the reins are attached to the horse's feet. And that took me a while to kind of navigate in myself. But now I'm like, I ask people, what do you think the <laughs> leash is attached to? And they always say, the dog's face, the dog's snout. Their neck. Their neck. I'm like, it's attached to their feet. And the reason behind this is because if a dog gets lost in life due to fear, anxiety, overexcitement, I'm going to work with them to where I can affect change in their feet. And if I can affect change in their feet, I can affect change in their mind. And if I can affect change in their mind for long enough, I can affect change in their consciousness. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, let's say I'm working with a green dog and they get triggered and I work with them and I'm, I, I can move their feet, I can move them up towards things that they're scared of and farther away. And maybe I can't get up to the thing that triggers them, but mm -hmm. I can get 75% there or maybe 25% there. Then I'm aware of that. And then I go for more. Mm -hmm. And then I go for more. And I go for more. I'm always aware of how much of their consciousness I'm affecting, how much of their mind I'm affecting, how much of their physiology I'm affecting. Um, always aware of that because I'm always moving towards helping them move towards that ultimate level of harmony in life. Mm -hmm. Um but I just wanted to share that point because when I'm working with a dog, I really, if the leash isn't connected to the dog's feet, then I've got quite a bit of work to do. Yeah. Because if I can't move and bend them as I want at my own will, that means that they're having thoughts of their own, thoughts of fear, thoughts of anxiety, thoughts of overexcitement. And they're essentially alone in those feelings the yes i'm just attached to them right but if i can't move their feet and i'm not talking forcibly yeah either we don't force dogs to move if i'm walking with a dog and they put the brakes on and it feels like an eight amount of eight amount of pressure in my hand then i just i maintain that eight that they right. put on i don't go to a 10 or yank them or go to or, zero or go to a four. Yeah. There's this point, like I feel their thought, like they're like, I don't want to move. I'm like, okay, I'll just sit here with you until you do. <laughs> it's that simple. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to give to you. I'm also not going to force you to, to move forward. Even though you're an eight pound chihuahua, mm -hmm. I'll let you, stop me and I'll let, I'll move with you when you're ready to. 
but I'm not going to make it really easy for you to sit there, but I'm not going to come over the top of you. However much you stopped me with in terms of pressure is how much I'm going to maintain on that. And so the leash really becomes this link between you to where you're not a bystander Mm -hmm. and you're not this thing that's forcing them to do things. You're really moving with them in sync. Um, And that to me is, that's how we handle dogs. Yeah. I think we utilize the full potential of that tool in our eyes. Yeah, I mean. Like we really use the tool. (laughs) It's all that we use. So it's. uh, And we use it. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some more advanced things that we do that some people have witnessed um, that'll probably come out in due time. just more horse stuff, but it incorporates a leash only. Um, but it's still always connected to the feet. Mm-hmm. It's always connected to the feet because if we can move those things, then we can move a dog through life and past life. And if we can do that, then we can start helping them. We can start affecting change in their consciousness. And ultimately, how much harmony they have in life and contentment they have in life and enjoyment they have in life. Right. I think it's a great point of reflection for people is when they are using that tool to be aware of the connection between the lead and the feet. Because so often the tool is used and they're not connected. The lead and the feet are not connected. Yeah. And we find value in connecting the two. Yeah. And the advanced stuff John's talking about, if you ever came and shadowed the pack, like you'll see it all. We're not hide we're not like gatekeeping and like hiding all yeah, this no. stuff. Like it's pretty much the same it's as just, what you learn in workshops. The it's reason just more. the reason why we haven't come out with this more kind of advanced stuff or the reason why we haven't even taught flag work yet. Mm-hmm is because if you do it wrong, yeah. it's it can go south pretty quickly. Yeah. So somebody like the people need to have quite a bit more understanding of how it is that we handle dogs. Um because yeah. And at the same time we realize that some people just they just they'll just take a step and then they'll go and that's what they use. Right. And if they took some of these things and just went and used it, like it would not be a good situation. Yeah. Um, so, but in due time, it'll yeah. come out and it'll be potent. Yeah, and, it's just we like uh, building it out from from the ground up, which is through the more simple things yeah. that other people might just want to bypass. Like, oh, that's just too simple. I want to get right to the juicy stuff. Yeah. But that simple stuff is the juicy stuff. Right. And if you go over to just even later steps of the gentle method, if you just jump right there and you're not giving and feeling and well established in your under well established in your understanding of the gentle method and what you're looking for, it's just not as courteous to the dog. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you're you're getting a change in the dog's 
physiology and their mind, but not that consciousness level. Exactly. So I remember we had somebody working with us and they just always wanted to skip steps. And this was at the time of developing the gentle method. And they just wanted more steps Mm -hmm. and more steps. And I'm like, I'm not, that's not coming out yet. Mm -hmm. It's not coming out yet because I want to see that that you can do this in order and that your natural instinct is to go and do this in order. Yeah. And that's what you go to first, not the later steps. Well, I think that we're- that did not transpire. It was just more push to get those further steps, which they knew were potent, more potent. And that's- Anyways. Well, I think it's, and we've talked about this before, but it's where you're coming from with it. I think when you start at the beginning, you're coming from a place of wanting to listen to the dog. Yeah, wanting to feel. Wanting to feel the dog and what they're at, what they're at, where they're at, and truly having a desire to have that deeper relationship. Yeah. When you jump, it's coming from to me, more of a selfish place. I want to affect change. Exactly. I know this is gonna I know this is gonna affect you, and so I'm gonna use this. And so yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want the change. Yes. And so I'm going to get the change right. instead of I want you to feel better mm-hmm. and be heard mm-hmm. and have you f- see me as such a wonderful part of your life right because i gave you the time right to process it in the way you needed to process it right but teach their own (laughs) yep shiny things are shiny each their own (laughs) yeah well on that note we would just want to thank everyone for listening we want to thank everyone for their support up to now yeah. uh, with Oregon Tales as a whole um the gentle method uh the books the leads coming and sharing time with us coming and sharing time with us bringing us to your state yeah and hosting a workshop uh for us i truly believe that we have we're literally just beginning yeah our journey. It's at the infant stages still. Um, and to us, that's really exciting and, and beautiful. And we just want to thank you for being a part of it to date. And we really look forward to what's to come. Yeah. And we appreciate meeting people who have a soul desire from their soul desire to get better and help the dogs in their life feel better like that just fills our cups so much it's really special yeah well on that note thank you very much yeah thank you and we'll leave you with this quote that just 
I just saw from Buck. And he said, you're either in this for your soul or your ego. And then he went on to comment about it. Someone asked him, how do you know? How do you know if it's for the soul or for the ego? And he said, deep down, you know what it's for. Right. Yeah. Within yourself, you know what you're in this for. Yeah. So for those of you who are in this for your soul, <laughs> we're, we look forward to meeting you. So. Or, you know. Yeah. Or if you're we, in for the we ego. Look forward, yeah, we look forward to meeting all kinds of people. Totally. That, that, this is true. <laughs> we can manage that Yeah, And <laughs> it can shift too. Totally. It can shift. Yeah. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you when we talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yep. Thank you.